The It's Just Money podcast is back, and we are so happy to be back. Thank you for joining us. Let's talk about Vigit really fast. Vigit is the number one app in the world to us. It means a ton to us if you would download that app and use the code It's Just Money. It is a sports betting social media app where you do not have to wager real money. When you first download the app, you'll use the code It's Just Money for 2,500 free Vig coins. After you win coins by betting on sports, you can then exchange that coin for Amazon gift cards and other prizes. It's the best app in the world. We cannot recommend it enough. We love the Vigit app. We love you. Now let's roll. Is that I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. Okay, we are back. It is the It's Just Money podcast. There's only two of us here. It's JP and myself, and we're here to bring you guys some college baseball content. Obviously, we haven't talked on it at all throughout our 23 episodes of this podcast, but we're pretty big fans. I would say JP more than myself. I follow it way more towards the end of the year. He follows it year long. However, we are back. It is an important time in college baseball. The World Series is here. JP, what's going on? Oh, man, dude, I was biting at the bit, you know, to do something for, you know, I'd been watching it and covering it, you know, by myself. And so something that, I mean, we played baseball growing up, we played collegiate baseball, but not at the level these guys do. And it's 100% like fandom and everything with these guys. I mean, it's so much fun to watch ESPN and other platforms are kind of covered more and more as the season goes. But, you know, we really thought that us as you know, baseball guys and things like that need more coverage. Obviously, more and more people are doing coverage on it. But, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I was fighting at the bits to get back at this thing. So I'm so happy to be doing it finally. Yeah, I'm super glad to be back. We are glad to be back. Schaefer and Reese not joining us, not the biggest college baseball guys. However, they will be back when college football is back, just like we promised you. This is just a little add-on. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Super Regionals, wrap up those, sure. and then we'll go from there into the College World Series games, which is, for me, at home in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, the best place in the world, Manhattan and Midwest. Let's move on from that now. Let's go to Arkansas and NC State, that super regional. What is what is your takeaways and what happened? Yeah, I mean, this has got to be the shock that everybody was talking about. I think this upset with NC State beating Arkansas in Fayetteville had to get people talking. Like To me, like that's what kind of drew a lot of attention. Like If you're not a big college baseball fan, you probably saw a lot about Arkansas, but you probably didn't see much about NC State. And what they went through in the beginning of the year, then all of a sudden, you know, they're the ninth inning tied with Kevin Copps, the best pitcher, probably Golden Spikes winner this year. Um, and was it NC State that was one and eight to start conference, or was that Duke? No, it was not, in the not, ACC. It was, no, it was NC State. They were NC one. State and was eight. one and eight. Correct. Yeah. It's, I mean, baseball is a weird game, and you know that. Yeah. I know that. It's it's hard to do everything on the field. I mean, it's ridiculous, but. Honestly, like that was crazy. Like, did you, when that ball was hit, I truly didn't want to. Like, I was Jose like, Torres. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's gone. That's gone. gone. And I go, oh my god, it's gone. And it just kept going. It just into a sea of red in the left. And I go, I mean, that's on pitch home. number a hundred and eighteen from Kevin Cops. A hundred and eighteen. Yeah, what's, what's your take on that? Me, personally, as you know how my arm health has been through my career in baseball, I can't imagine throwing 100 at this point, and this guy throwing 118. Granted, it's late in the year. He's a senior. He's not, he's not ever going to let 
Van Horn take him out of the yeah. game. He's going to have to be pulled out of that game. But 118 pitches is a shit ton. Not to mention he threw 115 in three regional games. Yeah. And he threw, a, what, 30, 40 something the day before um, just in the spots to, you know, get him to a point where they could win that second game. And they ended up not winning the game. But they were down 6 1. They had to keep NC State at six. Debatably the coolest. Uh, name and brand they created on Twitter in the history of baseball, though. Like, when Arkansas would tweet, like, cops, and then they would tweet the intro of cops with his name on it, probably the coolest thing ever, and he's an absolute monster, which, personally, at that level in the SEC, his stuff must be different when you're there. Because in watching it, you're thinking 86-mile-an-hour cutter, like, figure it out, maybe seven innings in at least. And then a 92-mile-an-hour heater, that's on the low end for SEC Mm -hmm. fastballs. It, I don't know. It must be gross at the plate because that guy mowed. His his combination of a fastball uh, cut, and he's got a, like a slurve kind of thing, slider cut or curveball thing that is yes. this put-away pitch. And when I say put-away pitch, I mean this thing snaps off the face of the earth. And, it, I mean, but, I mean, pro- NC State on both sides, I mean, they hung in there with the cops. They, you know, they were put up three or four and uh, get to the ninth when you're tied and, you, your staff had been throwing great, who had not been good all year, by the way. They're around a five ERA or something like that as a team. And then, I mean, one mistake pitch is all you need in that. I mean, you get a down one, two in the county, hangs you a curveball that breaks. Was, was it a curveball or was it a cutter? I They look so similar, but they're different speeds. That's what makes it good. But I think it was it was a hanging curveball. I think you're yeah, right. it was a hanging curveball inside part of the plate. And, and he hammered turn and burned, and that was the end of it. Uh, not to mention, we're going to go into NC State a little bit more in depth when we cover the game itself that they'll play against Stanford this Saturday. Right. But Jose Torres, obviously biggest swing of his life. But that guy, I don't know if you looked up his highlights afterwards to see who he was. That guy is gross defensively. I yeah. mean, he made plays this year that is gross. If they have a strength, it's definitely their defense. It's not their staff, and it's not them swinging the bat. So, yeah, their closer is a stud, though. Like, yeah. I was watching that dude. Big, tall 34. I'm not going to know his name. But he is gross he's got this weird wind up he's got to be about what six five six six at least and he's yeah. on gas yeah but, i mean what's that they do yeah we'll jump we'll jump into them obviously more than a little bit but i want to talk about stanford and tech so stanford that might have been yeah. obviously nc state was the shocker team to upset that good of an arkansas team but stanford the way they rolled in lubbock oh god whoa you show you show up to lubbock in that ballpark that's you know a little too small for them but you're in you know west texas you don't have a lot down there for you know big extravagant things sanford rolls in their game one and sets the tone immediately and they never look back i mean it was 104 degrees by the way it's 104 degrees on the turf in lubbock texas you travel all the way from stanford and you just take it to somebody i mean that's honestly i had that one wrong in my predictions i put out on twitter i had um tech and three yeah. I don't know if you could have been farther from the truth because <laughs> other than say the shit out of that team. Yeah. Just just steamrolled them and that team is I well, I'm gonna hint, but we're gonna pay attention to Stanford in this one for sure. Um oh. Texas at home, I mean they're super they got an easy regional, they got an easy super regional. I mean, they damn near lost game one to USF. But I mean Yeah, that was, that it, bomb in the ninth was a shock for USF. And then, but you kind of set it up when that Texas closer bears down and gets the last out, you set up everything for a walk off and Texas offense is good. Yeah. You, I mean, your mindset changes immediately after you give up that shot. 
And then you're like, okay, well, it doesn't matter because it's tied. I'm not down a run. We're tied. I get out of the inning. I just, it's the same thing. Now my offense wants to have a little more fun. And that's exactly what happened. I don't know what you're doing if USF and you have you got to play no doubles. Yeah. I mean, you, there's got to be somebody in the dugout just yeah. backing everybody up, getting the corners <laughs> on the lines. And no, I mean, I guess there, nothing can land over your head at that point. I don't know what they're doing. Everything's got to be kept in front. I, that was the biggest coaching mishap. I don't know if they moved him back and they couldn't tell from the dugout if he was far enough back, but it, it cleared his head by probably five, six feet and bounced. Yeah, Once exactly. it bounces, it's over. That's a drifting fly ball catch if you're in no doubles. Yeah, it's bad. That was bad. Okay, moving on. Arizona and Ole Miss. Uh, so it hurts us a little bit because I think we're, we have this warmth in our heart for Ole Miss just because of the content they put out on YouTube this season. Yeah, if you haven't sure. watched it, watch it. It's the best. Um, so I like Ole Miss. I do like Ole Miss baseball, but Arizona, I hadn't watched them all year. That team's good. Yeah, that team can swing it, and I they are Pac-12 champions. Um, they have one of the best offenses in the country. We'll dive into them more in a little bit, but honestly, you go down into Tucson, Arizona, if you're Ole Miss expecting a slugfest, and you got it, but you didn't show up in game, you know, game three when it mattered. I mean, Arizona kind of walked through that and didn't have any issues in game three. Problem is, is, neither one of the pitching staffs have been crazy good, but Ole Miss has really not been, you know, um, outside of McKaysey has just not been. Um, That's you know, my question. Why not McKaysey game one? Why did, Why would you do that? Why would you not I, give I yourself think, two games? I think I think the thing is with that, they had him scheduled. Um, he was a Friday night guy to start the year. Started throwing Saturdays, you know, throughout the year. And they wanted to keep him comfortable and throw on Saturday. And I think if they would have played a Saturday, Sunday, Monday regional like other teams did, then he would have thrown game one. But I think they were just trying to keep him on a seven-day schedule. That works out because he won the game. He threw really well, which we knew he would because we were like, damn, if we could get to a sports book right now, we'd be all over this under right now just because Nikhazy's on the bump. But, um, yeah, I mean, and hats off to that Ole Miss team. They had a good year, not the year they probably wanted to, obviously. But Hats um, off to Tim Elko. That might be one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen in my life. Exactly. You know, hitting a baseball in the SEC with a torn ACL might be like top five most badass things you can do. Yeah. And I know we've got plenty of coverage, especially if you're on baseball, Twitter, things like that. But we just wanted to give it a quick mention, too. Yeah. Tennessee, we're jumped to Tennessee. Tennessee probably had the toughest regional, in my opinion, along with Arizona. Um, and then not an easy super regional matchup either. So, what no. do you think about Tennessee and their super regional run? I think Tennessee's a, in a situation of team of destiny. I mean, they're having a historic season down there. Violetto's got that team bumping, a, you know, a young head coach and a program that hasn't been prominent in a while in a t- the toughest conference in the landscape. So good for those guys. Super fun to watch. I mean, they just play baseball. I mean, at that point. And they play that new baseball yeah. where it's full of baseball. energy, yeah. bat flips. That's put it. But yeah. Full of energy, bat flips, pitcher celebrations energy in the dugout like that's just a fun team to watch I think they're going to be loved in Omaha they haven't been here in a long time exactly so I think um, it, it's going to be a big Omaha team and and little teaser here I think I might that if I had to watch an SEC team win the Caldwell series again I would probably want it to be Texas yeah and I, well, I mean I want to give a little nod to you know Wright State they got a four seed in that regional which is absurd with what they did I made my voice heard on Twitter Nebraska sitting there as a two is the team that was on the border of hosting a regional and gets stuck with at the one team in the country, like at Arkansas, like what is going on? Like that, I mean, I get that it's not a big deal anymore, but at the time, that is just absolutely absurd to see that. Um, there are other teams that got snubbed, and I mean, Old Dominion not getting to host. I get the COVID thing, 
um, schools like that where, you know, that would do a lot for a program and for a school to host a regional. I'm not going to lie. As I'm kind of a Nebraska fan, I follow Nebraska baseball, cheer for them. I have a couple of buddies that play for them and a couple of old competitors I competed against in Omaha when we were kids. I was mad for them. I feel like it just – it was an NCAA way to stick it to the Big Ten for not playing out a conference competition, which is fine. Which we Um, saw in basketball as well as in football this year. But it's almost as if you wanted to not win your conference. I would have felt more comfortable where Maryland and Michigan was than where Nebraska was placed. Michigan got an easier regional and then absolutely played like dog shit. Yeah. What – like – Honestly, you had you had Maryland, Indiana, Nebraska, and Iowa all on the verge of getting in. So three get in, Iowa doesn't get in. Um, Big Ten goes out. Nebraska, obviously, they find out they're they're happy they're in all that stuff. They'd be a little upset at the time when you hear your name, but once they got down to Fayetteville, there's no way they were. I mean, it was one thing and one thing only, and that was winning the regional. And I think they did everything in their power, other than you know one inning, to really um, solidify their spot. And that was a, the sting is after the after game one of the Super Regional going back to Arkansas and NC State is when you see Arkansas just obliterate NC State the way they did in that first game. What was it, 21-2, yeah. to two, I think? As a yeah. Husker fan, you're sitting there like, holy shit. Like, if we would have made it anywhere else, we were so competitive with that team. Now, granted, it's a little bit different now knowing what we know with NC State beating them. Exactly. But still, you wanted to be in that situation to have two games to win to get to Omaha. And yeah. I would have loved to see Omaha if Nebraska would have made it. For sure. Um, yeah. And just one more quick thing on Tennessee. You know, that team is wearing the best uniforms in Omaha. We were going to talk about – I was going to bring that up a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was gonna, we're going to talk uniforms. That's, that's an it's just money. Right. Right. We'll that. Don't you worry. Okay. Uh, Vanderbilt, obviously, taking down ECU in their super regional. It was hard to pick against Vanderbilt in that regional just because they have the best two-punch uh, knockout in I think the country. that I've ever seen. Yeah, probably in the best in college baseball history. Like probably since so Colin yeah. Power, UCLA. Power, really. yeah, Power. Um, exactly. And, you know, hats off to ECU. That's the second time in two years or two years of regionals that they got screwed on where they go for Supers. They got went down to Louisville and played them a couple years ago, and Louisville was nasty. Um, then they get thrown into the best one-two punch. And ECU hung with them. I mean, it was truly right there. They have a great ace. They have a great team. That team's really built something. Watch them in the future. So, um, obviously, everybody knows about Vanderbilt. We'll dive into them more. Um, Mississippi State, another SEC team. Um, they continue their CWS streak. I mean, they are continuing to be a team in Omaha that people recognize and, you know, know the brand and everything like that. And I think a lot of that really maybe hit a tight with Jake Mangum when he was there. Um, but Notre Dame, again, probably another team that was upset with their seeding, and they wanted to be a top eight seed, didn't get it. They go down to Mississippi State, play two tough games, and then get blown out in the third. But, I mean – Jumping back, since we're recapping, jumping back to that Vanderbilt-ECU series, hats off to Gavin Williams from ECU. That appearance in game one, oh, my God, that guy was dealing. You can't ask him. Like, you you just got no offensive help. No. I mean, he's got a future, and they also – I mean, it was going to be low scoring the whole time. I think everybody knew that. But I don't think anybody expected him to shut down all Americans that Vanderbilt had the way he did. The way – I mean, that was an SEC arm. He proved him that he was an SEC mm-hmm. arm. He was 95, 97 with unbelievable off speed. He lasted – I don't know how long he went. Eight innings, seven and seven and two-thirds or something like that with yeah, 11 Ks. Crazy. So hats off to that guy. Let's jump to the last one. Um, Virginia and DBU. 
this was a sad one for me. I want a DBU. Um, we talked about it a little bit personally, but there could have been, there was a chance that it could have been Texas, Texas Tech, and DBU all in Omaha. There was a chance. Now, granted, only one of them made it in Texas, but that's crazy. There's three Texas teams that could have been here, and I wish DBU would have been one of them. Yeah, for sure. And I think they would have been Omaha's baby. I mean, that would have been a team everybody adopted for sure. You get a team that only plays Division One baseball, and they built something like that down there. Um, hats off to those guys. Great series, great game three. Um, obviously, one pitch doesn't go your way. They hit a grand slam and in the bottom of the eighth, and that's it. I mean, that's how it goes sometimes. But Virginia's back since 2015 when they won their last national championship. So welcome back to the Who's to Omaha. Okay, that wraps up all the Super Regionals. You know who came to Omaha. Let's start Saturday, the first game of the College World Series. I believe it's 2 o'clock first pitch, North Carolina State and Stanford. Personally, I think this is going to be the most interesting game to watch um, of the first round. Yeah, this State, great game. You talked about. Let's talk about them again. Yeah, let's do it. Um, they got left uh, – the left fielder, Johnny Butler, here, and then um, center fielder, Tyler McDonough, has been – Nasty, they're all hitting over 300. Um, usually when you see a team from the ACC, you'd see teams that uh, usually kind of swing it, play a little bit of small ball, but this team has kind of reinvented the wheel in their Supers. They've played everything, you know, kind of the opposite. They built themselves. Um, but the, the staff is what is worrisome to me is, a you know, ERA around five as an entire staff. And you're going to have to have arms to win in Omaha. I mean, I think everybody knows that because you're going to have to play games, whether you're winning games or losing games, especially if you lose a game. Now you really got to dig into a pen. Um, and I don't know if they have a guy to lay on there. So, um, but they are hot. They're playing as well as anybody in the country. The, the thing that gets me on this is baseball's so, so weird that they could be as hot as can be and it'll stop on a dime or they can continue it. So that's something that I would really, you know, I'm inter- anxious to see. So good for those guys. I'm happy for them. Welcome to the party here in Omaha. And um, you got to test game one. You got to test game one. I mean, I feel like you can't bet against Stanford at this point. I mean, you've you've probably done it the last two games, and it has not gone your way. But Stanford, let's dive into Stanford. Yeah. Go ahead with Stanford. I think they're they might be one of the better teams in Omaha. Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's one of my sneaky picks for a future at a great value. Um, they weren't Pac-12 champs, but they did win their series against Arizona. Um, one winning two or three. Um, Brock Jones is the guy at the plate that'll carry everything for him. You know, slash the three hundred two. Uh, 452, 620 with 16 jacks. Um, anytime you hit over 10 bombs, you get a little respect. You get up to 15, 16, and people start to worry. Um, so he's going to be a guy that's going to have to bring that offense to Omaha, and I don't think we're going to have any problems seeing it after what they did in Lubbock. Um, the ace, Brennan Beck, has been an absolute animal this year. I mean, listen to this. 296 ERA with 128 punches and 100 innings, and he's 9-1. and one. I mean – well, you got to have a guy, right? For game one, you don't want to go zero and one. You got to have a guy, and Stanford has it. Let me ask you this: When so, we talk about offenses, Stanford was one that hit for power a shit ton in that series in Lubbock, and that's a good amount of the reason they won. They got up early because of a lot of home runs. That game changes a little bit in Omaha. If you've never been to Omaha, exactly. the ball carries some days, but TD Ameritrade is a pretty big park. It's bigger than they meant to make it. Actually, I know that for a fact because I know a guy that built that stadium. Um, it's bigger than they met. It's 335 down the lines and 408 feet to dead center. It's a lot bigger. It's 375 to the gaps, which is about 10 feet further than most of the parks in the country. So do you think some of the game changes for these teams? Yeah. And Lubbock is a little bit of a bang box. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
Omaha holds balls because you're sitting in downtown. There's not a lot of wind blowing, but if you get wind blowing, it's coming in off the river. So it's not too far away there. It is a little tougher to leave the yard there, but I think Stanford's built, you know, um, kind of going against that and um, find ways to win games in multiple fashions. So excited to see them. Definitely pay attention to them in a future pick, I would say. Um, they're definitely a scary team to watch. And I mean, a, a fun team to watch, a scary team to play against. My take on the Omaha field would definitely be that teams are going to have to be forced to actually drive in runs. There's not as there's not going to be as many home runs as there were in the regional, even in the regional or super regional. The regional, I think there was a, like a record 305 home runs yeah. within the however many games, a shit ton of home runs. Um, you know, that's a debate for later. I, I've, I've heard talking rumors. about moving the mound back and everything. I don't think it needs to happen. I've heard rumors of then the NCAA trying to you know pull an MLB and some juice some baseballs a little bit for the CWS, try to get some more exposure and things. Um, I have mixed feelings about that, and I hit, so <laughs> I should tell you something. Um, and that, that they're trying to do that. There's a pro league somewhere in the world. I think it's out way out east. Um, they're trying to move the mound back to 61 and a half feet. Yeah, the MLB's got their dummy leagues that they do things. They with. don't. They don't need to do that. There's plenty of hitting. There's plenty of home runs. But people want to see. They think the way they grow the game is 16 to 14 and in nine innings instead of four to two. So, but it's kind of that old school, new school difference, mm -hmm. but Omaha is different where you're going to have to get two out hits. You're going to have to move guys over. You're going to have to manufacture runs. So we'll see really, yeah. it kind and, of brings out who the best team in the country is. Yeah. Stanford's got four guys hitting over 300. Um, Christian Robinson is hitting in the highest. He's hitting 315 right now. Um, started every game pretty much. The, I mean, the team's got the ability to score runs. I think it'll simply become down to who can pitch it and timely hit, as you know, in big games. Time of hitting almost is everything. So if you can't get the knocks when you need them, it doesn't matter if you're getting them. Okay. That wraps up. Who do you think wins the game? Uh, you know, I like Stanford in that I'll one. I'll take Stanford. Uh, to move on. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm, I got to think it's going to be around a minus 180, 190 for that first game for them. So probably not a betting line you would like. Um, and obviously when those come out, we'll have more content on, you know, game by game things we'll do. But that's my guess to around 180, 190 for them in that one. Yeah, I like, uh, I like Stanford in that game as well. Now we're jumping to the nightcap, 6 p.m. first pitch, Arizona and Vanderbilt. Obviously, Vanderbilt will start with them. Kumar Rockers can be on the bump, an absolutely dominant arm in the NCAA. Do you think he has success against a high-powered Arizona offense? I think anytime Rockers steps on the bump, he has the potential to have success. And he's had a great um, experience in Omaha going back to, you know, his first year when they won a national championship. He threw well in two games. He threw well in um, the first game they played as well as his appearance in the finals against Michigan. So I'm not worried about what Kumar Rocker does. I'm worried about how Arizona, Arizona responds to um, a team that can hit just as well as them with better arms. I think that's got to be the storyline. I think another problem that's going to arise for Arizona, if it comes to it, when they go to the bullpen, Vanderbilt has this left-handed pitcher. I cannot remember his name. He's about 6'6". And he reminds me so much of Josh Hader in the MLB that mm -hmm. I can't even fathom it. Like he throws probably, I think he throws 98, 99. He's incredibly wild. He's effectively wild. I think he has like 47 strikeouts and 38 walks or something like that. So it's, it's a toss up arm, but when they have guys like that coming out of the pen, after you see rocker and lighter, it's a hard team to beat. So I think Vanderbilt is probably one of the favorites to win the, win the title again, but this mm -hmm. Arizona team can swing, man. This is going to be a scary team. Yeah, they hit 329 as a team, and they completely showed that against Ole Miss and the Supers, obviously playing at their home park. Um, 
you know, guys, when you come from the Pac-12, they haven't gotten as much respect um, other than what Oregon State was doing their thing when they had Rutschman and things like that. So the Pac-12 is really, you know, vying to um, build a build a baseball brand again to me, you know. In a lot of sports, everybody's looking at the Pac-12, like, what have you done for me lately? And I think this is a great opportunity for that. Um, but I think a benefit that they can find from it, from their Super Regional win against LSU, is you look at they put a pounding to that team. They, they, yeah. they threw peroxide on Maneri's exit. Yeah. Paul Maneri's exit as a co- head coach was just yeah, absolutely getting obliterated. They played a that's not, Yeah, that's not what I – no, you're kidding. Wrong page. Hey, we're fumbling, but it's okay because we're, we're back. back. We just got back. Give me a fucking break. Okay. We're excited. So, um, going back to Ole Miss. Yeah, let's go back. Ole to Miss's that. pitching staff, obviously not good out of the pen, and not as good as they have been. And they started game three. They started their closer. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a difficult choice. I think in the third inning, he gave up a jack that made it 6 1. And from that yeah. point on, they kind of rolled. And I think the game ended up being 16 2 or something like that. It's. And it's isn't it tough? It's just weird how, man, or like, do you call managers in college? Coaches um, change things in game three of a super regional. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is Kevin Cop starting in game three. I mean, there's Both a storyline and everything, but um, Arizona, again, they're going to be a tough test. Don't get me wrong. Or Kumar Rocker is going to have his hands full. They're going to have, um, you know, troubles hitting Rocker. But I truly think um, it's something to watch out for. And this is a guy that I've been paying attention to all year. True freshman Enrique Bradfield. I know um, not the the fastest player in college baseball. He is the most – one of the most exciting players in college baseball. I've been paying attention to him all year. Um, The guy leads off for Vanderbilt, and he's been an absolute animal. Let me just check on these numbers. He's a menace on the base pass, dude. But he's hitting 356 with uh, 36 – How many stolen bags? That's what I'm trying to get to here. He's got 36 ribs, and he has 46 stolen bags on – 52 attempts. At one point, he was 40 of 41. He's like one of those guys, probably the most you'll see at this level of baseball. We'll go. And if he gets the first, it might as well be a double. Yeah. I mean, the guy's electric. He plays a great center field for him. He runs like the wind. Absolutely amazing to watch him play. Um, but he's not the only guy within Vanderbilt's lineup that scares me. Dominic or Dominic Keegan, excuse me, rakes. Isaiah Thomas. I mean, they – Isaiah got, Thomas rakes. Yeah. I mean, they've got guys everywhere, and that – should be something to, um, you know, really watch out for. And they've got depth as well. So CJ Rodriguez at the bottom, um, probably one of the better catchers in the country. He can absolutely rake. And you got guys on the bench that can do the same thing. And they've shown it multiple times uh, throughout the year. So I think that's one thing that Tim Corbin does really well at Vanderbilt is he gets a lot of guys, a lot of reps, even if they're not, you know, in the starting lineup on SEC weekends. Something that the baseball guys in the world might appreciate more than just an average baseball fan the Vanderbilt outfield covers so much ground, it's unreal. And I don't think people realize that a lot of that is taught and a lot of that's given. Like, you can run like the wind, but if you don't know how to read a baseball or play the outfield or cut angles, like, you, you're not a good outfielder at that point in time. So, um, definitely watch out. And that's a lot of ground to cover in Omaha, and we're really going to see, you know, what that bunch can do out there. Um, that, they cover a shit ton of ground. Their left fielder, I think you said his name already. I'm not going to know it. Um, there's so many names in college baseball, it's way more difficult than any other sport. That that dude covers so much ground. He might be their best defensive outfielder, even including who we already spoke on. Yeah, so, I mean, they're a heavy favorite right now. I mean, heavy, but they're still plus 380 to win the whole thing, but they're definitely the world's favorite right now. 
they might be up. They're probably opening lines, like we said, aren't out yet for the games. I would say Vanderbilt's probably like a minus 200, minus yeah. 220 on this money line. So um, they'll for, win that game, but. The, I don't think game. Arizona might not score a run, honestly. Just I think they'll score. I think it'll be like, I think. It'll, it'll be like a 5-1 game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think Rockers prone to, you know, a couple walks and then knock. I mean, we've seen it throughout the year. Not near as Lighter. Lighter had a couple weeks in a row where he had just been lit up. I mean, he was getting he's, – he's prone to the bomb, which I think helps him in Omaha. Um, but he is prone to giving up a jack or two. And, you know, Lighter's there too, but has stats better than Rocker. And so those guys will be top ten draft picks coming up soon. Um, and, you know, I like that, but I'm not going to bet on that first game. But um, And I don't think they're worth the value as a future. Okay. We touched on that. We think Vanderbilt's going to win. I think Vanderbilt takes that game and moves on to play Stanford. However, let's jump to a different day. Let's go to Texas and Mississippi State. Let's start with Mississippi State. They had – an at-home road the whole time through regionals, super regionals. Mm -hmm. um, the dude was absolutely bumping through both of those series. Obviously, a well-followed team. They usually get a pretty good following in Omaha. I love the people from Mississippi. I can't wait to see them. Um, what do you think about this Mississippi State team in general, and do you think they'll perform well in Omaha? Yeah, I do I do like this Mississippi State team. I don't love them. Here's the, here's the thing with that. Um, to me, they are a very solid baseball team with leaders like Rowdy Jordan um, and Will Brenner that are, you know – have been carrying a large load. Um, Tanner Allen's their best hitter and best stick in the lineup for sure. I mean, he's hitting plus 340 or somewhere around there. Um, they can hit. They can do a lot of things, but they've been inconsistent throughout the year, and I get it because they're in the SEC. But at the same time, you can't, you can't fall behind, and they have done that. And they've done that in a lot of games. And I think that's something to really pay attention to because when you're not feeding off your own fans as much as you are at home. Like Omaha's going to have fans there. Like there's going to be plenty of Mississippi. There's State always fans. a section above their dugout. Yeah. Of like the entire outfield, the entire outfield, you know, the upper deck, things like that are not going to be um, as, as maroon as you would say. So, um, you know, they're going to have an absolute dude throw for them on Sunday. And Will Bredner, he is absolutely um, probably their best arm by a million. Uh, and he's, he's still got an ERA around three, five, which is, um, not where you want it, but it's a good college ERA, especially when people swing the bat like they do um, and they have an offense like they do. So pay attention to that. I like the team. I don't love them. Um, and they got a hell of a matchup. I mean, they better buckle up for that one. I think Mississippi State's going to be the disappointment team. I think this team has potential to be an 0-2 barbecue team just because of the single fact. Every game I watched them through the regional and super regional, they gave up a lot of runs early in the ballgame. They find themselves in a 2-3 to three or 3-2, three to two, and that's a lot in the SEC in these meaningful games because you find great arms. I feel like they are down early one nothing in the first or second inning quite often. In Omaha, you do not want to do that because teams will start rolling and they start figuring out how to hit the ball, and it's a lot different here. So yeah. I think this Mississippi State is going to find themselves in some trouble, especially let's jump to them now, this Texas team. What do you think about Texas? Yeah, I like Texas, and here's why I like Texas, because they have the best one, two, three punch in the starting rotation of anybody in the country. they got three legit arms on their staff. Um, guys who would be ones or twos anywhere else in the country. But the problem is they're sitting behind Ty Madden, who has been an absolute animal for them. Um, 119 punches, over 100 innings. He's got a 2-4 ERA. And, you know, collectively that arm, the group of arms in the pen for them is around a 2-8 ERA. And that's pretty damn good. I mean, that as a collective unit out of the pen. And great. That's great. And yeah. Especially in the Big 12, which is so hitting heavy. Yeah, and they're – 
there's something to watch because they have the arms to do a lot in Omaha. And I think when you think Omaha, uh, to me, when I think Omaha and when I've been to games and paying attention to the games over the years, it's been, who do you got in your pen? Do you hit timely? And have you been there before? You know, guys who can handle, you know, the situation, the stress and um, all the excitement buzzing around them. So I think that's a big thing to pay attention to them. Um, you know, last time they were there, they had Cody Clemens on their team. Didn't have the best CWS, but I think this team's way better than that one that made that appearance. Um, they're only hitting around 281 as a squad, you know, which isn't um, bad, but it's it's pretty dang good too. So I think good for them. Uh, they've got to find ways to score consistently. And that's and, the only note I had on them is I think that they're good. I think that they have a they're great at manufacturing runs. They draw a lot of walks compared to the team other teams in their conference. They are only held to single digit runs one time throughout the postseason. Mm -hmm. That's a yeah. staggering stat. And that was the game they walked off. Yeah, they, they manufacture runs. They can hit the shit out of it. Once they start hitting, they kind of roll, just like most of the baseball teams in the country. Um, so if they get hot, that's when Mississippi State's going to find themselves in trouble, and that's when I think that this is going to blow up, is that those early runs that Mississippi State gives up are going to roll over, and you're going to find yourself in a 10-6 Texas win. Um, so I like Texas in this game. Who do you think is going to win? Yeah, I, I like Texas in this spot, too, just with Madden on the mound. Um, Texas is actually the second favorite. They are currently at plus 350, I think, to win the series. Uh, that's not a lot of bang for your buck on a team that, you know, may not be able to hit some of the arms in the lineup as well as others. So, or throughout the, you know, tournament and things like that. So, I mean, that's a low line. I think a lot of people like them. I don't think they're worth a future play, but I think they get it done in game one. Game two will be a question mark for me. I mean, with either team that they draw, honestly. Those two teams that they could draw, Texas is the pick if you missed it, by the way. Virginia and Tennessee, the last game, the Sunday night game. It'll be a 6 o'clock first pitch. Let's start with Virginia. Obviously, an easier path. I wouldn't say easy because Dallas Baptist wasn't a bad team. Yeah. Um, they, they were the four seed in that regional or the three, I believe, um, uh, that they Virginia. came out of and they went to play D Dallas Virginia Baptist. The three. They were the three, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that was the Old Dominion. Uh, South, South Carolina, Carolina, Columbia Regional. So yeah. that was a probably an easier walk for those through those teams. Um, Virginia, not a bad team, not a team you heard about a lot this year, but they know Omaha. They've been here. Um, I'll let you touch on Virginia. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Virginia a little bit. They don't blow you away with the way they can, you know, swing the bats and things like that. But they got a guy named uh, Kyle Teal. You probably heard of him after the bomb he hit um, last weekend, or I guess earlier this week. That was Monday, wasn't it? Yep. Um, so, I mean, they don't blow you away on the offensive side of things, but they got a guy on the bump, Andrew Abbott, who's got a three ERA with 152 punches, 100 innings, but, but he sits mid nines, high nines, and usually works deep into games, which is a good thing for them. They want to play the small ball. They want to be able to control a game and, you know, kind of the pace of things going and keep it low scoring and things like that. And I think that really plays into their hand. If they're able to pitch it really well, and if they can spot hit and move guys on the bags with sack bonds and things like that, really plays into the hand of that, you know, pitching staff and vice versa. If the pitching staff can throw up, you know, zero, 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 one every couple innings, it is a big deal, especially um, – and it, they have a coach who has been there. They've won a national title in 15. They were runner-ups in 14. They got the pieces there, and they're playing good baseball. And I think – when you're, and whenever you're playing good baseball, it's a big deal, and you really feed off yourself. But in a situation where you go to Omaha and you're playing a team of, you know, quote-unquote destiny in your opening round, I mean, 
it, you, you draw a hard one there. I mean, they drew a tough draw for sure. And let's, uh, let's not mention that this matters, especially to the people in Omaha. There's a big crowd favorite thing. There will be a team that the Omaha, Omaha adapts. They'll be right. for, and one of the, not teams, but individual players, I think is Virginia's closer, who possibly became one of the most popular players in college baseball through this past week. Shout out Dippin' Dots. Um, what do you think? Do you think that this closer, I, I can't remember his name, I don't even know how he pitched. I just saw everything afterward. But it, obviously, it's a big bullpen arm for him, and he's going to yeah. be a crowd favorite, so I think he has a little bit of an advantage. Yeah, I mean, the, people are going to know his name after an interview and things he does on the mound. I mean, he was, you know, tapped the original psycho of the year, and if you don't know baseball, here's one thing you should know. Pitchers are psychos at all times. They all are in their own right. You don't see 99% of what they do. Um, at times it's scary, but it's a lot of fun to watch them go to work too. So, I mean, I completely agree with everything you're saying there with that guy. Um, and anytime you have a guy on the bump, you can throw out in the eighth and ninth and feel super comfortable is it, it calms nerves pretty heavily. And the guy without nerves and a guy that just wants to be, you know, an animal on the mound and get after things is a plus. And I think anytime you have that, you are in a great spot to win baseball games. It's also the best spot to pitch in. Personal, from personal experience as a closer, I can tell you that coming into the ninth inning with all adrenaline controlling your body, nothing beats that feeling in the world. It's a better drug than anything you've ever taken, I promise you. But I think this Tennessee team that they're going to face, let's jump to Tennessee, is the most fun team I've watched in a long time. And this might be my I, – I, I don't want to decide on a team yet, but I yeah. think Tennessee's a team that I'm going to cheer for. Yeah, well, you better start picking teams soon. <laughs> but, you know, going to Tennessee and looking at what Rocky Top has done this year, I think that is a fan base in all sports that is begging for something to go their way. And Violetto brought it this year with a team that is, you know, kind of been, you know, college baseball Twitter's baby the whole year. Um, this team is a little bit of team of destiny. They win the SEC East. They play through great schedules. They lose a series to Vanderbilt, but it was more competitive than you've ever seen. Um, probably one of my favorite series of the year easily. Uh, and the pitching staff is second in Division One with a 3.72 uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio, and they don't walk guys either. I mean, they're ranked, like, third in uh, walk-to-strikeout ratio at 2.44. So if you're getting two-and-a-half punches per every walk, and plus um, you're doing things like uh, just going through and not walking guys and no free bases given up, especially in a park that's tough to hit at already. Exactly. So I think that's something to really pay attention to. There are not a lot of brand names on this team, and I think that's something to mention. Um, Obviously, you see the guys that, that came up big in big moments. For sure. Uh, hit a lot of bombs, and that's, what I, that's the only note I had on these guys. The middle of this order is clutch. Like when yeah. you get to the bottom of the eighth or ninth, this Tennessee, the middle of their order is probably going to come through, and if they keep that rolling, they're going to get hot in Omaha quick. Yeah, only two guys hit above 300, um, but Drew Gilbert is the guy you probably all saw all over Twitter um, with his walk-off um, Grand Slam opening round of the regionals against Wright State. Again, Wright State shouldn't have been a four seed, but that's another day. Um, but they have, let's see, one, two, three, four guys with over 10 jacks and another with nine. And there's guys with 15. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, pick your poison. You yeah, they swing the bats super well. Um, happy for them. I think another thing to really think about within this team is that are they going to show up to Omaha and let the emotions get the better of them a little bit? Like if they get adopted America's baby um, game one and things like that, and they're so pumped up and ready to go, are they going to let that, you know, overflow? Because overamped is a thing, especially when you're in the box. I mean, um, I don't know about the mound as much. Obviously I haven't 
I play over amps a pause a thing, and you usually learn about two or three pitches, and you got I got to calm the fuck down because I'm just trying to throw this ball as hard as I can, and it's not even going close to where I need to throw it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty similar. Ex- example A: You get in the box, and let's just say the seventh inning, you're down a run or something like that. You're like, okay, right, game time, got to get on base. First thing you see is something not even worth swinging at, and you just take the biggest hack at it. That that's the first thing I see, other than you know, just watching a guy walk up to the plate and go about his stuff is, but he's way too amped up. You Number know. one person I see at that, going back to Vanderbilt really quick, Isaiah Thomas is the most calm, cool, and collected in the box that I've seen in a long time at this level. So I think he has a successful Omaha trip. It is important. Go So go back to on your point. Sorry, I just said to No, back. you're good. Um, I just think that is something to pay attention to. And I, I trust me, I like Tennessee. I want everything good for them in this. And Something to really look at as well with, you know, kind of what this team does is they can do it both ways, if you know what I mean. Like, they can play in the high-scoring games. They can play in the low-scoring games. They can do everything like that. They brand themselves to how the competition or the game's going, which is a beautiful, beautiful characteristic to have in baseball. And if you're able to do that, you can fight with anybody. And I think this team can play with anybody in the country, and they've shown that already this year. As a point you mentioned earlier, obviously a big point of being successful in Omaha is your bullpen. And Blade Tidwell out of the bullpen for Tennessee has became a, a pretty big name for them. That's somebody that they're going to call too often. Not a big strikeout guy. He has 87 strikeouts in 92 and two-thirds innings. Um, so he's not going to strike everybody out, but he misses barrels, and that's huge in Omaha, um, especially when you don't – all you got, all you're trying to do in Omaha, if you haven't seen the park yet, you're trying to avoid gaps. If you haven't followed the yeah. game, just watch. You're just trying to avoid the gap because – you got to get into one to get it out of there. Um, so I'll be interested to see how Tennessee hits the ball at this park. Yeah, and I think they'll be able to, you know, kind of lay out the long ball if they have to. Um, obviously, it's not going to stop them from swinging the way they do. I mean, they – like we were talking about new school and old school baseball. Let's dive into that a little more. Um, kind of give everybody a little more perspective. So your old school baseball has got all these unwritten rules um, on how you play the games, things like that. You go don't backflip, don't yeah. celebrate too much. Just kind of go about your business, be yeah. professional. And you kind of, you kind of see this team. They're playing a new school brand of baseball that I love. Um, I'm partial to both sides. I see you know beautiful things in both sides of the game. But I think this team is just one of those teams that can truly you know wrap around a multitude of guys instead of watching one do their thing. So they're all really reliant on each other, and that's a big. Um, quality to have I think another thing is when you have a coach like Violetta who is as expressive as he is as uh, motivated and eccentric as he is I think teams rally around that and there are teams like you look at Tim Corbin Tim Corbin's not going to run out of the dugout or you know do things like that and be nuts you know celebrating things or getting crazy height you'll see him get upset at players and things like that but Violetta was the furthest one out of the dugout touching the first baseline in that regional walkoff they had. I mean, you can see him in the video and damn near touched the kid that hit it. And um, I think that's a great thing to have. I haven't, you know, obviously they don't show coaches on streams when things aren't going as well. And I would love to see how it goes on the flip side of that. Cause he reminds me of, you know, a football coach that everybody's had at some point in time that is just, in your face at all. He's a football guy in a baseball yeah. uniform. He is an electric guy that has his guys' backs. He's shown it. You saw it a couple, probably a month ago now. Yeah, um, we exactly. got into it with Van Horn. I'm a little bit upset that we won't see that Arkansas-Tennessee matchup in Omaha. Yeah. But when we, think- we talk about, in the grand scheme of things, the new school of baseball is probably 
going to draw more fans in the older like obviously it's a tradition-based sport mm-hmm. which will never stray away from it but this new brand where pitchers are celebrating and hitters are celebrating are putting people in the seats and that's kind of what college baseball needs exactly and, and Tennessee will travel well they have a great fan base and all these teams will travel well which is beautiful for the game um but I think this fan base will be one that shows up in absolute waves that's one okay so going back to Who's going to be Omaha's team? Obviously, I said this is going to be my 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 team that I follow. Omaha's probably not going to be an SEC favorite team. Obviously, they're going to want to see the teams play because they're the best teams and they're the best players collectively as a squad. However, I think Omaha's team that they will adopt is going to be NC State. And there's for a couple mm-hmm. reasons. One, they're the surprise team. They beat the number one team in the country. And let's not forget, Omaha is in the state of Nebraska, which is who was taken down by Arkansas, then taken down by NC State. So I think you'll get a big Wolfpack following just from the Nebraska homers. I won't cheer against NC State, but I do hope Stanford wins just for my gambling sake. Yeah, I think um, NC State is definitely a good pick for Omaha's um, kid in that situation. I think also um, a Virginia, things like that. But I don't think Virginia plays the brand of baseball that you know lukewarm fans really go to. Um, and I think – when you go to Omaha and if you've ever been, you know what I'm talking about when I say this, um, you go to these games and like shoot like 60, 70% of the people there in that place are just there to have a good time and kind of watch a baseball game. They're not there to cheer for either side. I mean, they'll pick a team and do that thing, but they're not there to you know blow things out of proportion and stuff. So they've really got hundred percent. There's 60, yeah. 70% there, there to watch baseball. There's mm-hmm. about 5% there, there to hit beach balls in the outfield and mm-hmm. chant. There's another 5% that are there to take pictures in the outfield and say that they would be there. And then the other however much left is is parents and fans from the teams that are there. That's about the Omaha breakdown, the best way you can put it. We're not calling you out for just getting there to take pictures, but we're calling you out pretty heavily. Oh, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. Get the hell out of the outfield. There's people that want to be there to watch the game. Truly, truly nobody cares that you're there. I mean, we're not jealous because we could go ourselves, and we're not jealous because you posted a picture. I'll be interested to see if there's that crowd this year just because of COVID restrictions, the only COVID restrictions. um, They're allowing the stadium to be – almost full capacity. Um, it's probably going to be a little bit less. It's all reserved seating for the first time ever. It used to be um, general admission was the outfield. So you could wait outside the gate, pay $8 a ticket or like $60 for a book of the general admission tickets and hope you get in. Um, now it's all reserved seating. Everything's 20, $25 to sit in the outfield, not expensive. The food's expensive. Don't get me wrong. If you eat before, if you're just going to Oman, you're listening to this, eat before. Um, everything else in behind home plate and down the lines is all reserved seating. But I think you'll see a big crowd one because COVID's just now coming, wrapping up. I'm not going to say ending because there's a lot of shit going on still. Um, but you're going to see a lot of people wanting to get out to the game, especially yeah. WS not being here last year. And, and what they got with the fan zone and the bars out there. I mean, as soon Great as bars. like six o'clock hits, the rest of Omaha rolls in just to have a good drinking day. And I'm not opposed to it. I'm a hundred percent. And I'll actually be there for that. Um, we won't but be. I, I buy into the College World Series for the baseball and the talent and everything, and just the pageantry, the whole thing. Um, and if you don't believe me, if you walk into that building on any given day for that, they have all sixty-four teams around the. Um, what do you call the things that go around? They're not jumbotrons, but they're like the LED screens. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they just. I mean, they just call them LED banner lights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, they got LED banner lights for all sixty-four schools on it. Um, I will name every single one. Those of are up there. No, it's not even LED, bro. Oh, they put up. It's like a. It's like a sign that they 
they oh. pay to it every year. It's sick. Okay. Well, either way, I'll name all 64 teams in an absolute jiffy. So if you're yeah, it's usually not hard for us. So, uh, but yeah, I think I, I, God, I just truly, I've been so excited to even talk about it. And it's like, I just had to talk about it in some fashion. And I'm so happy we're doing this because I was like, oh my God, if you've never been to Omaha for the college world series, you got to put it on your bucket list. Mm-hmm. Come to your best options are the championship series. Actually, I would say is probably like t- obviously being it towards the end is kind of more laid back the first night game. The first game, obviously, the pregame festivities. There's no opening ceremonies this year, which sucks. But the first game, the first night game, crazy. There's so many people there. And it's not in the stadium. It's the whole five blocks around the place. Oh, yeah. Great atmosphere. It's it's a – here's something that I was thinking about the other day, and I just want to hear your opinion on it. So looking at all the college baseball stadiums around the landscape and how they're built and how they're set up and how fans react, why did they choose to build a more pro look stadium that builds and grows out from the bleacher or from the playing field instead of stacking it and making it a college atmosphere in that place? Like it's, it's a college baseball world series. I think the reason they did it is these kids have reached such a high level of the baseball and earned their way to it that I think they, their idea behind it was it to be, to be that professional experience. It's probably nicer than most minor league parks around the country. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the closest you'll get to a big league experience at that age. And some of those kids won't ever see the big league field. Most of them actually. Um, so I think that idea was kind of just giving them that, that big league experience, which I agree though. I kind of wish it was more stacked in and on just top of these me, kids. Yeah. Buy into the college baseball, like buy into the, the atmosphere and like, it's never going to change until they build a new park in 40 years or whatever it's going to be. But Dude, like you had such a golden opportunity. The Blatt was a college baseball stadium. Yeah, and and also the College World Series for women, the the softball World Series does a great job of that. They're like yeah. on top. It's so loud in that place. And, and theirs is different because it's a smaller stadium. It's a smaller field, that kind of thing. But they have a baseball stadium that they throw bleachers in the outfield, and they build those bleachers up, not out. They build them up, so you're on top of the action. And they, and props to the, you know, WCWS with what they do. They do an awesome job branding themselves and everything. And we're really hoping that grows as well because I pay attention to that just as much. Um, they do a great job planning yeah. that out because yeah. they do it the first week um, of in between conference tournaments for college baseball, right. regional tournaments. Those six days, the TV output they get for College World Series and softball is great because it's in between there, and that's perfect. I love it because it gives me a yeah. chance to watch. It's something I wouldn't normally watch. Most and you're you're crazy if you're one of those people that say like is. I mean, I get the whole, um, you know, like we're not getting the same exposure and everything like that. But revenue plays a big deal into that. But if you were to put yourself a week later, like you would lose revenue. As much as I hate to say it, and I don't oh, believe they would it that way, they better. would. But there are so many people that I know that prefer the WCWS over the CWS. And I don't blame them at times, like at all. Like truly I don't, because I think they do it different, but they do it the same. You know, like it's, it's branded a little bit different. The games, you know, have a different feel to them. Um, also, it's they, different trips. You're talking about different trips. You're like, yeah. if I'm going to the Women's College World Series, I can probably plan a six-day trip and see the whole tournament and see the, see the yeah. national champion. It's different in Omaha where it's 13, 12, 13 yeah. days, probably maybe 14 sometimes at Rainouts. It's not exactly. nice here all the time. So it's definitely I mean, a different tournament, and there's arguments to be had. But I think both they both have their own advantage and disadvantage to them. Do, I, don't, sure. I don't think they're way separate. No, I think – 
if I had to give a nod to a stadium, I'd give it to the WCWS. If I was going to give it a nod to like, you know, the atmosphere around it, not necessarily inside to be the CWS, um, you know, they have, like you said, their pros and cons of things. So, um, but yeah, hats off to Oklahoma for winning that. It wasn't the team I was rooting for by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, good for them, I guess. Yeah, there was a shock team there. James Madison was not meant to be that deep in the tournament. No. So we, I was hoping for a run out of them all the way to it. Um, I, who Oklahoma won it, but they beat Florida State, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, and I kind of, I was in a situation where I felt bad because the whole country kind of bought into the James Madison hype and Odyssey Alexander and what she was doing um, in the circle for the Dukes. But as soon as they lost, I felt like maybe it was just me. I felt like a lot of like when I was getting on Twitter and things like that, people weren't talking about the WCWS as much. No. Which is, which because baseball came stuff. back. That's just how the world has been. And yeah. it's going to be that way. That, that week of exposure they get makes mm -hmm. it big. It's, they plan it so well. The NCAA does a great job at getting both programs or both sports equal exposure because of the way they plan it out, and it works well. So I don't think there's an entire, like, it's not a different world. that they're no. in. So let's let's dive into some future odds, you know, for a national championship. Gambling odds that are out, yes. Yeah. Somebody is going to be dogpiling in a couple of weeks in Omaha, and here are your odds to see that. So you got Vanderbilt as your favorite at plus 280. Uh, Texas at plus 325, Tennessee at plus 350, so not far behind those first two. Arizona at plus 600, this is the big jump you get. Um, That's a Michigan hell of a State, jump. Yeah, at plus 650, Stanford at place, plus 800, excuse me, Virginia at plus 1,000, NC State at plus 1,200. Um, and so let's kind of talk about this a little bit because obviously this is why we're here. This is why we're here. So let's start with Vanderbilt. Um you go first, kind of give me your short Taking little snippet. Initial takeaway from the odds, I would personally flip Stanford and Mississippi State. Like I said, I think Mississippi State's going to be the fall team in Omaha. Um, if they flip those teams, I think they're exactly right. NC State, you're always going to get that high odds just because yep. they're the last seed. But starting with Vanderbilt, they got a lot of experience, man. That one-two punch is deadly, especially when you get to this point in the year. And you, you, you're probably going to see Kuma Rocker start tomorrow – uh, not tomorrow, Saturday, go Saturday. deep into the game. And then you could see him three days later or two, three days later in a bullpen situation just mm -hmm. to get an important out. Yes. That's where the game changes completely. And I think that, that that depth alone, their pitching depth alone is while they're at the top. Yeah, I think they're the favorite for a great reason. And I think that is an obvious thing, but I don't think they're worth the value because baseball is a weird game and things can happen. So plus 280 is not attractive to me. Texas, Again, I was talking about Texas earlier, how much I love their pitching staff and their three rotation, but I don't think at plus 325, I don't think that's high enough to play with them, if I'm being honest. I, uh, as everybody that's listened to this podcast before knows, I am from Nebraska. I grew up in Nebraska. I'm a Nebraska fan. Never in my life will I bet on Texas or cheer for them, so I don't care about their odds, and I hope they go yeah. to barbecue. Yeah. I'm a great baseball team. Don't let me, no, I'm not taking it away from them, but I'm never going to cheer for them, and I hate them. I think your best bet with Texas is their opening round game against Mississippi State. I yeah, think oh, for sure. that's the team to pick. I won't do yeah. it, but I, that's a team. Those will be really close odds. That'll be a great game to watch. That'll be a great game to bet on. I don't think you'll get anything crazy high um, in that situation. I just don't think 325 is high enough to play on a team, um, you know, like Texas. Going now, to the next odds, Tennessee. I yeah. was a little upset at this because I wanted to bet on it. I don't I was see a little great shocked. Yeah, I was a little shocked as well. And I think this is why they're at plus 350. You had Arkansas bounced. Obviously, they would have been plus what? Plus 
250, two, like 250 probably. I'm guessing. It would have been, yeah. They would have been 250, 200 yeah. probably. Um, and so Tennessee lost the series to Vanderbilt. I get that. Um, but did win the East. And plus 350 is good for a team with Destiny. I mean, it's good. But it's for a team with Destiny and a team that I still think is a big underdog in Omaha, at 350, I don't feel comfortable either. Um, I don't know if they seem as an underdog anymore. I think that's our personal opinion because they, they went 2-0 in their Super Regional yeah. and they rolled – they rolled through the regional. I don't yeah. – Vegas can't look at this team and be like, ah, that team, they're not that good. They've been fucking rolling. I think they're covering their ass a little bit with 350. But I don't – I love them, and I want them to win a lot of games, and I hope, you know, they're raising the banner at the end. But I don't know if I'm going to lay 350 with them. Now, let's bump to the next one. A big jump. That's a bump. This is – this is where it gets interesting, these next three teams for me. So, Arizona at plus 600 is a solid baseball team. As you know, go back and listen to that if you want to listen to, you know, kind of why we're thinking what we're thinking. Um, a team that can hit the ball as well as they can in a park like that, I think is good. Plus 600, anytime you get plus 600 on your four seed, I mean, that's worth taking a peek at for sure. Um, I don't know if I love it. I don't, um, you know, I don't think they're your national champion at the end of the weeks, but uh, plus 600 is good odds. Mississippi State. I don't think they'll win more than two games, if that's my personal opinion. Plus 650. Stanford at plus 800. That's the value. That's the pick. Now, let me, let me go back to why we were talking about Stanford. Plus 800 is a lot to be given the public when you have a first-round game against NC State. Your second-round game will be Jack Leiter. And the way they swung the bats in Lubbock and what Leiter can do, I think that is worth your play. And I think – um, you know, a small unit play on a plus 800 will do you wonders, especially when you're not playing high units. Uh, if your units are lower, plus 800 is beautiful. Um, if you're looking to win a future just to have the money, Vanderbilt's obviously worth it, but I think this is where your value is. Um, and Stanford has it all with their staff. They can swing it. So I like the 800 there for sure. Yeah, no, I'll take the 800 there. That's the, that's the team that I think can run deep in this tournament. Nobody's realizing. I thought – uh, Vegas would be a little bit more stingy with this line just because of what they did in Lubbock. I'm glad they weren't because I love the 800. I think this team can hit the ball. If this team, if like if, if everything works out the way we said, Stanford wins game one, Virginia uh, Vanderbilt wins game one, you're going to see a lighter Stanford matchup. And that's where I think lighter can run into trouble. That might be my favorite possible round two matchup. Yeah. Oh, for sure. including the zero and one games, including the zero and one games, that will be one of my favorites of the whole tournament if that happens. Yes. If Stanford runs into a, a, a bad or iffy Jack Leiter, I think they sneak away with that game. And being two and zero in the Calderon series is a massive, massive play. So Virginia. I think Stanford's um, plus eight hundred is the best value yeah. that you're going to find on this board. Um, Virginia thousand. I think that is you know that's right where it should be. I don't think they're going to be a team. They'll be a team that might shock some people and win an opening round game or win a game or two. But I don't think they're going to um, you know even be in that two best two or three series to win the whole thing. Uh, so that's kind of my little snippet on them. Um, and then we'll jump in. We'll package NC State with them. Um, NC State. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this line's wrong. No. So, I mean, I don't think there's extreme value here because I can't see a team with this pitching staff rolling deep in a tournament no. like this. So, and it, God, I mean, I feel like I've said it like a thousand times, but when you're, when you're hot, you're hot. And so that's why people might be like, oh, NC State, why, why not NC State? Well, they're still the eight seed. And debatably, they debatably, they're, it's, it's the hot and hot teams. State yeah. coming off that big of a win and then NC State coming off a debatably bigger win against right. a better team. 
this it's whoever wins this game is going to remain hot. I think. Mm. So and I think NC State's a good team. I don't. I'm not going to lay that. Um, but if I had to give you two to put a future on, I'd give you Tennessee at 350, and I give you Stanford at 800. Those are my two. I mean, honestly, that. Yeah, I'm just so ready for the opening lines to be out so we can, you know, give you some pick picks. But I, those are the two I'd really have circled on your board. And if you are in, um, you know, states that allow sports gambling, I think almost all the sports books are going to have this on there. Um, and I know DraftKings, Barstool, mm-hmm. MGM, and um, other Penn Nationals that don't yeah. have Barstool Sportsbook, like Ameristar Sportsbooks or Ameristarsportsbooks, yeah. whatever they're called, they include them. So I think you can find them if you do one of them. Yeah, and I think Ameristar is doing a lot of promos and things, and that's right across the river from Omaha. So you can drive across the river on a day and make a little trip out of going to the Ameristar. And that's where I'll be. That's in there. So um, those are the two I'd really circle on. Um, let's kind of recap some things and let's, you know, wrap this thing up a little bit because I think we're going to have more content once these, uh, you know, opening lines drop. Okay, so, we'll start with um, this. Winner of the College World Series, your first initial reaction. You've seen the lines. We broke everybody down. We know who you want to win. You want Tennessee. You've made that clear. So have I. I would like Tennessee to win this. But if, if they don't, I would like to see a Stanford. Yeah. Who do you I, think wins the CWS? I think Vanderbilt wins it, and I know that's not fun. But um, I just think that team is so good, and I think they have such a good pitching staff behind, you know, bats that can absolutely swing it. And they've been there before, and they were the number one overall – I mean – to me, they were just as good as Arkansas throughout the entire year. So, I mean, Arkansas, I get, was number one in the country pretty much the whole year, but I think that Vanderbilt team is right there with them. So that's my pick. It's a little bit different, but they both play similar games, but on opposite sides. Yeah. Arkansas, not impressive from the mound, especially at a starter standpoint. They kind of had guys bouncing around, being weekend guys all year. Obviously, Cops was tremendous out of the pen. Virginia, uh, Vanderbilt, on the other hand, you have – the best starters in the country. And then you have those shaky bullpen arms every now and then they do have a couple of dudes in the pen. It's a more complete team. So yeah. I think Vanderbilt runs deep in the tournament and ultimately wins it. I know it's boring that we both have the same winner, um, but it's hard to pay, bet against a team that's been here that much. And is that good complete? So yeah, and there's um, bags. This, this, it's an important game. Small ball is important in Omaha. Let's go with absolute dark horse. Um, so you can't pay Arizona. You're going to take Arizona as your dark horse. I am just because if they if they hit the ball like they showed, I don't know what's going to happen. Just because I mean, scoring runs is the name of the game. You score more runs than the other team, you win, no matter what happens on the mound. And if this team can hit the way that they can't, that I've seen hitting, same with Stanford. I don't know about Stanford on the mound; they're kind of top heavy. Um, Arizona's a little sketchy on the mound, but if they if they hit the way they did, man, I don't know. So I think Arizona's my dark horse to make it to the championship series. Yeah, I think mine. You know, without giving you Stanford that we'd already picked and Vanderbilt at the top, I think mine would be um, – shoot. I mean, God, it gets so tough at that point in time. You know, I think for the sake of the argument, I think Mississippi State would be, and I think that's a team that's could definitely go 2-0, could definitely go 0-2. So that's a dark horse, dark horse for me. I think that's going to be the fall team, but it's Mississippi State. They've been here before, man. A lot of repeat teams. Yeah. Okay, let's jump to the most important thing and one of the most important things in our life. The uniform battle. Who's got the best? Who's got the worst in Omaha? Out of all eight teams, who's got the best uniforms complete? Home, away, alternate. Who's got the best uniform stack? Yep. Uh, my top three in no particular order. I would go uh, Vanderbilt. I would go Tennessee. And I would throw NC State's new ones in there as well. The new ones being not the digi camo. 
No, they got some vests that have a little bit of, um, they're like a charcoal, but like a gradient thing to them. Not, not a gradient, but like you could tell they have a little like a uh, pattern to them and things like that. I think those are beautiful. So I think those are my three. Number one for me, Vanderbilt. I'm in love with their golds. I've always been in love with their golds. Uh, their dark grays that they wear too, absolutely filthy. So I'll take Vanderbilt, my number one. Two, I'm going Mississippi State. Love their color scheme. Love maroon. I love the way their their font on the jerseys absolutely filthy. They'll probably roll out the all blacks. Um, the whites they wore in their game three of the regional final might be the grossest uniforms I've ever seen. I don't. I think they're new. They put a new piping on them or something. So I'll go Mississippi State at two, and then Tennessee rounding out three, just because I love yeah. orange. And they roll out the black, the cream, the all white, and the retros. So yeah. I think those are the top three. There's a lot of good air. I think Arizona's are the worst. They have pinstripes, but they're super fucking baggy. I think Virginia's still behind on the uniform game a little bit, too. Stanford's blacks also that they wore, gross. Yeah. Stanford's got a pretty hat, too. Yeah, and, and also, I noticed this when I was watching TV. Maybe it was just the, the television that was doing this. But Stanford's helmets, when they wore the black jerseys, are a complete different cardinal than what's on the black jersey. Maybe that's just so you can read the jersey, oh. but it's it, it threw me off a little bit. Yeah, I didn't notice that. Okay, we'll have to look for it. Okay, that wraps up everything College World Series related. Obviously, we'll throw picks out when we see lines. You guys can follow along if possible. Um, we just thought we might as well throw an episode in. For we're still watching sports. We're still gambling. We're almost back. College football is right around the corner. And I'm going to mention at the beginning of the episode, as always, but if you haven't been here for a while, download the Vigit app. JP, a little wrapping up thoughts. Yeah, uh, very happy to be back. I was just ecstatic to talk about the College World Series and stuff like that. So, so pumped to have this ready um, for you guys before everything drops. And we'll definitely check out our Twitter accounts as well as the It's Just Money Pod. Please give us a follow on there. You know, retweet the episode, let your boys know about it. Um, and let's have a great one. Okay, that'll do it. Thanks for joining us. We will see you very soon. College football is closely approaching. Download the Vigit app today. Use the code It's Just Money for 2,500 free coins. It is the number one social media sports betting app in the world. You do not have to wager real money. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next time. Deuces.